My mom went through a divorce, um, and I didn't necessarily understand what divorce meant, but I just remember coming upstairs and I looked into her room and I saw her, she was on her bed crying, and uh, that hit me hard. You know, I was sitting there with my mom and I was crying too, and I was just like, I don't want to see her feel this way, you know? And if I go off and I get in trouble and I do bad things, um, get caught stealing from a store and, and she gets that same reaction, I don't want to contribute to that. So uh, I started to listen to my mom. And when I think about my life now and all the lessons that, or how I live my life, um, it's because I started listening to my mom at that time, you know, treat other people with respect, listen to your elders, you can yeah. do anything you set your mind to, like all these different things. Uh, I feel like came from that moment, you know, like just not wanting to contribute to the sadness that she was feeling. So I tried to like listen to her and make her proud. So everything that I'm doing in my life now, I think like, would my mom be happy if I'm doing it this way? All right, my name is Damian Warner. I'm Clayton Murphy. Javian Oliver. I'm Chris Nielsen. This is Fred Curley. I'm Justin Gatlin. I'm Katerina Stefanidi. I'm Michael Norman. I'm Ahmed. I'm Raven Saunders. This is Tiana Daniels. I'm Darrell Hill. And this is Personal Podium. And this is Personal Podiums. This is Personal Podiums. And this is Personal Podiums. Personal Podiums is a podcast featuring the world's best athletes who spend their careers striving for the podium. We believe everyone can find inspiration in an athlete's journey. So we created a platform to amplify the stories that make them who they are. A virtual podium, if you will. We're your hosts. I'm Marielle Hall. I'm Jared Walker. And I'm Dan Fitzgerald. This is a special Mother's Day edition of Personal Podiums featuring Damian Warner, the world-beating Canadian decathlete. Decathlon champions are often referred to unofficially as the world's greatest athlete. The decathlon is a 10-event spectacle featuring the pole vault, high jump, long jump, javelin, shot put, discus, 110-meter hurdles, 100-meter dash, 400-meter run, and the 1,500 meters. It's a lot just to say, never mind compete in over two days. In an intimate conversation, Damien shares the challenge of seeing his mother wade through a relationship's end when he was a child. It made a big internal shift within young Damien and colored how he viewed his own behavior then and even his accomplishments now. His trajectory into the sport was different than many. It wasn't the straight line from high school to D1 track to the pros. However, when his super speed and big hops made their way to the decathlon, the road was paved in gold. He's won two Pan Am Games gold medals, a Commonwealth Games gold medal, a World Indoor Championships gold, and is the reigning Olympic champion, having earned gold in Tokyo last year. Sprinkle in a silver and two bronze medals from Worlds and an Olympic bronze from Rio, and it's clear, he absolutely is one of the best athletes the world has ever seen. On behalf of Personal Podiums, happy Mother's Day. Now, here's Damien. I don't know like what kind of drove me to be in that mind state at that point or even to think about stuff like that but like I just remember thinking like I don't want my mom to feel this way and like it was kind of like anger like I was kind of mad that she was feeling that way and I have a little brother and he's like a little bit of a troublemaker and I remember like there was like a, a phase where like he would get in trouble at school and stuff and I would just like be like super super mad that he was like getting in trouble because I could see like that it was making my mom mad and like um yeah, I think through time she eventually said like, oh, don't worry, like I can handle this and all that kind of stuff. Like, don't worry, like you don't be upset because I'm upset or stuff like that. But it was just like, that was probably one of the 
most pivotal moments is like that. And it's, it's unfortunate because like it was her sadness that kind of brought me there. But uh, no, she's certainly taught me a lot of lessons. When I was younger, um, my mom was uh, an athlete when she was younger. Uh, she didn't compete necessarily competitively at high levels or anything like that, but she was a huge sports fan, so she was always watching like the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and hockey and stuff. So I'd be in the basement and you can hear like cheering upstairs when the Leafs score a goal, uh, stuff like that. Um, but one thing that we al would always do is we would watch the Olympics, uh, both summer and winter, being from Canada. And uh, Katrina LeMay-Doan was a, a speed skater, and she scored, got a whole bunch of different medals, and obviously Donovan Bailey uh, were, was really successful. Uh, so those were my first two um, kind of inspirations from an athletic standpoint, and my mom would tell me, like, oh, like, this is how they got there. And, like, it wasn't an easy path, but you can get there too if you want to. You know, she told me you can do anything you set your mind to, so that was one of the big things when I was younger. Um, but then Vince Carter, when I started to get a little bit older, I was a huge basketball fan, so uh, I'd ball the socks up and cut the bottom out of like a laundry hamper and hang it up on a wall somewhere. And my mom would come home from work and like all the lights would be destroyed, the lamps would be bent over and be like, what happened? And I would just like blame it on my brother or my sister. Um, so like those, those three were the, the biggest inspirations for me when I was, when I was younger uh, from an athletic standpoint. And I feel like kind of drove a lot of the success that I'm having now. Because uh, I don't think that... I would have been interested in sports or got involved in like competitive sports if it wasn't for their inspiration for sure. It's unbelievable like the impact that some one individual can have on um, a large portion of people. Like I know when you think about Vince Carter uh, and you look at the Canadian athletes, it's not necessarily just basketball players, but track and field athletes and soccer athletes. And uh, I think it was just kind of his like aura. Like what do you, I, I just remember like turning on like Sportsnet and like every single morning seeing Vince Carter doing like windmills or 360 yeah, dunks, you know? And like as a kid who was inspired by that, like you just go out in like your backyard and you try that. You put the net down as low as you can and yeah. just try to jump over your friends and do all this kind of crazy stuff and I, I think like that experimentation in sport got me involved in many other sports you know like you see Vince Carter do this and you go out there and your friends are like oh I could do this better than you and then before you know it like you're racing down the street or you're doing something else you know so um, and you like you find out that you're fast and you can do this and oh I can throw a football far and like through that experimentation uh, I kind of found the decathlon for sure. When I, when I got into high school, so my mom worked a uh, double shift because um, she was a single mom and she supported me, my brother, and my sister. Um, so I, I learned at one point that I could uh, skip school, beat my mom home, and like erase like the, the school messages. So it's kind of like a win-win, you know? Like my mom's not getting upset. Uh, I'm happy I'm not going to school. Um, but around that time, I started playing basketball. And uh, obviously, I have a love for basketball from, from when I was a little kid. And, uh, my coaches saw something in me, so they told me that if, if I don't start going to school, then I can't play on the basketball team. And that was like one of the first times that somebody threatened to take something away that I loved. Uh, so I had to go to school, and if, if that choice didn't come up, then I wouldn't have found track and field. Um, but then my coach was like, let's try this thing called the decathlon. And I was just like, I got nothing to lose, let's try it. So that was in 2010. And uh, I just remember some like really rough practices, like trying to train for like the 400 and the 1500 meters and just, I hate this. Like I'm not enjoying it, I'm not getting better, like I don't want to do this. And my coach used to pick me up and drive me to practice every single day because uh, I didn't have a car. And it was like probably like a half an hour drive. 
something like that. Um, one time we got in this argument and I was like, I'm just walking home. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm just walking home. And it took me like two hours, two and a half hours in the rain. And uh, at that point, I still knew that I wanted to do track and field, but I was just like, training for the 400 or the 1500 meters is not as bad as walking home for two and a half hours. So it's like the least I could do is just, so it's kind of like out of like necessity that I did it because I just hated walking. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just uh, got involved with the decathlon that way. And that was 20, 2010, we went to the, uh, my first competition, it was pouring rain, miserable conditions. And uh, I think I scored like just under 7,000 points. And one of my goals up until that point was to represent Team Canada at a national team. And I didn't get that um, goal after that competition, but I was like seven points short. And I was like, this is my first decathlon in horrible conditions. If I was closer than I've ever been now, um, I'm on the right path. So we stuck with it. I finished second at the Canadian Championships that year uh, in the decathlon, scoring just under 7,500 points. Uh, and then that next year, we went down to the Gym Click Shootout. Um, it was my first competition. I scored just under 8,000 points. And uh, 8,000 points is like one of those barriers that um, decathletes are trying to hit. Um, and then later at the Canadian Championships, I scored 81.02, qualified for the World Championships. And that's where I met like Ashton and Trey and all those guys. Like it was weird because I started watching all their videos on YouTube. And then all of a sudden, like I'm in the combined events room with them. And it was just like starstruck, you know? Um, had a horrible competition. I think I finished 18th overall. Um, and I just remember after going up the mix zone, I talked to my coach and I told him like, I suck, you know? And there was a cool thing that happened is like all the, decath the decathletes that finish first, second and third in the competition, they run around the track with their, their country's flag. And I told my coach on the combined events, like, I want to do that, you know? So we kind of invested a little bit more time. I was much more dedicated. I was watching what I eat. I was sleeping properly. I was, I was all in for the decathlon. And then next year the Olympics came around uh, sorry, the next year the World, uh, our Canadian Championships came around and it was a battle against my mentor, Jamie Edgetay Nelson. Uh, and we were going back and forth. I won the 100, he won the long jump, uh, he won the shot put, I won the high jump. Uh, I beat him in the 400, he beat me in, I beat him in the hurdles, he beat me in the discus and pole vault and we we're just going back and forth. And uh, came down to the 1500 and I had to beat him by 15 seconds. And my personal best was um, around that, but that's a tough task for anybody, especially when the Olympics are on the line. Yeah. So my coaches, gave me like some huge motivational speech and like, you gotta hit these splits. Like this is for the Olympic games, you can do it. I went out there and I think for my first lap ran like 53 seconds. <laughs> but the thing that happened is that Jamie went with me and uh, we were coming around, I think it was just before 600 meters and I heard like screaming behind me. Uh, and I was so focused, I just kept running. And when I came back around, I saw him laying on the track and he, was, he had some cramps in his hamstrings. Um, and it was like at that moment where I was like, I'm going to the Olympics. But I remember crossing the line and my mom and my, my girlfriend and all these people were there. And it was like, not the feeling that I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought it was going to be this like, like, when you qualify for the Olympics, you think it's just going to be like this amazing thing. You're hugging and like right. pop, people popping champagne bottles. Uh, but it was one of those things where it's just like, I felt guilty. I was just like, I don't deserve to be here. You know, like there's no way I was going to beat him by 15 seconds. Like he should have been here, not me. Uh, but he came up to me and he was like, you know, I've seen you train, uh, I've seen how hard you work, I know what kind of potential you have, like just go there and shock the world. And uh, I think that his words was like, I have nothing to lose, you know, like people are not expecting the 18th ranked guy to do anything at the Olympics, you know, just qualifying for the Olympics is like a huge thing. Like just go there and compete at my best and see what happens. Uh, in the back of my head, I was just like, win a medal. Like I, I can get on the podium. And I was third place for most of the competition. 
Uh, I finished fifth overall. I think I was four points behind fourth place. Uh, and I showed myself, like, I belong here. You know, it's not one of those things where it's like, I should feel guilty about being there. It's like, I can compete with these guys. And next year at the World Championships, I was on the podium with Ashton, um, finished with a bronze medal. And yeah, it's just, it was a very rapid journey, but I like had some crazy, crazy learning experiences along the way that put me in the situation that I am now for sure. In, in 2010, I started training for the decathlon and me and my coach, he's my high school English teacher, um, wow. and he's still my coach to this day. Um, and I work with a group of four coaches, but they're all uh, teachers in my, in my city. Um, so I was working with them, and we didn't really have too much um, history of working with the decathlon. So we had to go online and, and search as much stuff as we could. Um, so through that, that's when I followed like Ashton, um, Brian Clay, Trey Hardy, all these guys who were at the top. And growing up in like a single parent household, right, with just my mom, like I didn't necessarily have too much like a, a father role model. So uh, when I saw these guys like Brian Clay and Ashton, like I was just like, oh, like they look fairly similar to what I do. You know, they have similar strengths being the hundred meters in the long jump. So I tried to like model myself after them almost too much, you know, so I was like copying them. Um, but it wasn't until like 20, um, after the Olympics in like 2016 almost, where I, I kind of realized to myself, like, if I'm ever gonna beat these guys, then I have to find out who I actually am. You know, like I can't, I feel like if you're a copy of something, you're never gonna beat the original. So like, I have to figure out who, what, who Damien is, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, and kind of model myself after that. You have a plan going into the Olympics. You know exactly what you want to accomplish. I competed earlier this year and I scored really, really well. I knew that my, I was healthy going into this competition. So I was like, as long as I'm able to compete uh, at my best, then I'm gonna do really, really well. Um, and I got off to an awesome start, 100 meters long jump, and I was leading after the first three events. And we have like a, a gap of about six hours. Um, and I was trying to tell myself like, don't get lost in this moment, you know, like just come back, bring it back down to the earth. Like, you have high jump later today. High jump's all you should be thinking about, not necessarily how many points or projecting or anything like that. And uh, I stuck true to that. I was able to do that. And then came back, ran an awesome, like I, I had a decent high jump, ran a decent 400 meters, finished with an awesome score after day one. And still, I was just like, this is not over, you know? Like they say day one is for athletes, day two is for decathletes. And that's where I've struggled traditionally in the decathlon is that like I get off to an awesome start in the hurdles and then discus in the pole vault and things just start to go downhill. And then you start to play defense and you're trying not to lose as opposed to win. Um, but I kind of just like put the put the pedal to the metal and I just kind of kept pressing and uh, came out with a good discus, tied my personal best in the pole vault. Uh, and then after the pole vault, uh, there's another six hour gap before the javelin. Uh, and that was the first time when we were going back to the village, we were walking back with my coach. Uh, and I looked at looked at him. And I was like, "We're gonna win a gold medal." And like we just had a like 15 seconds where we we're just kind of like giddy and high fiving and hugging. And uh, we we're like, "We still have a job to do." But like javelin and the 1500 are effort based uh, in my mind. Um, much there's not necessarily as much room for error in those events. Uh, and I was just like, "I can, I can put the effort in to to win the gold medal. Like I, I won't let anybody beat me in these final events." So um, you had to go out there and obviously do it. Um, but we were able to do it on the day, and it was a really special thing. And I think, like, when I was coming down for, like, the last 200 meters, you, you, it's like when you're falling slowly and you start to think about, like, I should grab this chair or I should grab the desk or this is going to hurt. You know, like, as you're running, like, the last 200 meters, you picture all those things, you know, like working out during COVID when 
you know, nobody else was working or like all the different things, you, your son, like all the lessons that he's going to learn and your people at home and like what they're thinking and like all those things kind of come to your head. And um, yeah, it was, it was a, that last 200 was much different than the 200 that I had at the Canadian championships in uh, 2011. And it was just like a, just a really special moment to kind of be able to experience that because it's one thing to dream about it, but it's another thing to, to live that reality. And uh, just really special. It was just unfortunate that we weren't able to share it with all the people because yeah. they weren't able to go in the stands. But uh, I think that made it just more that much more special when we finally got to go home and put the gold medal around the necks of the people that helped me get to that point, like my coaches. And uh, I was telling some people in the mix zone, like this isn't a story that happens too often where people can put the gold medal around their coach who is their high school English teacher who has no history in coaching track and field, you know? It's a, it's a special thing and it shows that like if you're dedicated enough and you kind of, everybody on board is able to work hard and, and, and to learn, then anything is possible. Kind of on this journey of just like figuring it out as we go um, and it's worked out really well. I'm not sure if it's uh, the recommended path, but uh, it's worked out really well for me um, and I think just from my, from my journey, I think it shows people that the path to success on the international stage isn't necessarily like a linear path. Uh, it doesn't have to be followed a certain way. Um, I think it can get very discouraging when you can go to a school and a lot of times when you go to these big schools, you come from like a, a fairly big fish in a small pond type thing and then you go to this big school and like everybody's a top athlete there right. so it's really tough to manage that you don't necessarily get the attention that you used to have um, maybe the results aren't there and like when you don't have the results who do you lean back on when your friends and your family are not around you so uh, it's important to have relationships and people around you and understand that the path isn't necessarily always going to work out exactly as you planned uh, I've seen through my life that uh, I thought I was going to win a medal here but somebody else had a plan, you know, and I thought I was going to do well here, but there was a sickness going on in the hotel, so I didn't perform well there. So it's never going to work out exactly uh, as you plan, but if you're persistent and you stick with it, then uh, it can work. It's kind of been like an untraditional um, path towards being an athlete, but it's taught me a lot and it's brought me a long way and I've de developed some really strong relationships because of it. So all the people that I work with is not necessarily athlete coach relationship. It's more like father son. Yeah. I have like 10 fathers and yeah. 10 mothers. It's kind of a really cool thing. Yeah. Doing the decathlon has helped me out a ton uh, just with life in general and understanding that a little bit better. But also from like a, a track and field standpoint, like just respect for all the athletes involved. You know, like I, I respect sprinters so much more and field event athletes, pole vaulters, have a huge respect for me because I understand how difficult it is. But uh, marathoners and distance runners, uh, they probably have the most respect for me. Uh, because I remember in 2013, after I finished competing in Moscow, uh, me and a bunch of Canadians went out to watch the, the marathon. and. I, I obviously you know that they're running fast uh, so I brought out my iPad to film some of it just so I could show my family when I got home and I held it up and I tried to like do it in a slow motion but they're just gone so fast you know so I, like I went back to the hotel room and I was just like I'm gonna like look up how fast these guys are running and I was like mind blown when I saw how fast they're running I, I went down and I used like a, a split calculator online and I was just like this time for the marathon what are the splits and it was like 400 meters like faster than what I run in the 1500 and I was like I complain that I run uh, three and three quarters of a lap 
at this t at this pace, but these guys are running that for two hours, you know, like I'll bow down to you every single day, you know? So I, I think that it's just given me like a, a huge respect for the athletes in track and field because this is not an easy sport. And, and I think that it doesn't necessarily get the, the respect it deserves on the, the national scale, I guess. It's not on TV and stuff. And right. uh, I think it's because people don't necessarily understand how difficult it is or how fast guys are, you right. know? And you see it all the time with like uh, football players, you know? Like right. they'll say like, oh, these guys are faster than Usain Bolt. And it's like, you're not. You know, like you got to come out and you got to see them compete at their level. Uh, you got to see it in person to appreciate how fast these guys are going, how far these guys are running and how far these guys are throwing. Like there's not too many people that can do what Ryan Krauser did uh, throwing that far and as consistently as possible. You know, like uh, I just have a huge respect for uh, everybody that competes in this sport because I know how brutal it can be. I feel like I've spent so much time kind of sitting in my bed envisioning how I want things to work yeah. in my life, you know, um, with track and field, going to the Olympics, winning a gold medal, scoring over 9,000 points, uh, having a son, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. it's, it's one of those things where I've been extremely fortunate and all those things kind of came at the same time. So people ask me like, so how do you feel? And it's just like, I don't know. Like, how are you supposed to feel when all your dreams kind of come true at one time. Yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to process that, still trying to go through that now. So, but it's one of those things where it's just, I know it's really special and I know I have a lot of great people around me. So it's really awesome to share them, share that with them. And I have a great partner. So it's just like, a, it's, it's really awesome to go through this whole process with her raising our own son and, and seeing how fast he's growing and uh, being able to share some of these memories that I'm living right now with him when he's older. And we have some like really cool photos and videos of when I was standing on the podium in Tokyo yeah. uh, and he was sitting on the couch watching it. So I, I feel like that's something that's gonna come back later in his life and, yeah. and be able to yeah, show that at show and tell or school, at school or something like that, it'd be really cool. If you work hard for it, then anything is possible. So. Um, I think that's a, a big motivator is just kind of sharing that message to, to people as much as possible, but also family. Uh, I, I noticed like this year more than ever, it was a huge motivator because I feel like I have like a newfound um, mission in a way where I'm not only representing the beliefs that I've built up over the years, but I'm also like a role model to my son. Uh, and I want to show him that all those lessons that I've learned and all those things that I've been through, like he can do that too when he gets uh, whatever he wants to do, you know, like uh, there's no pressure for him to follow in anybody's footsteps or to do anything that uh, me and his, or his mom have done. But he uh, hopefully he chooses something and uh, works really hard for it, because I think that if he's able to do that, then anything is possible. And um, the same way that my mom makes me proud, I hope that I can be in a position where he can look up and say, like, this is my dad, you know, like I, I, I hope that he's able to go to uh, his schools for show and tell and be like, you know, my dad did this and my mom did this because that's the same way that I feel when I talk about my mom. Uh, and it would be awesome if my kids were able to talk about their parents the same kind of way. Yeah. Personal Podiums is hosted and created by Mariel Hall, Jarek Walker, and me, Dan Fitzgerald. Episodes are edited by Anaya Keenan, music, by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Nike Running for giving us access to Damian Warner ahead of the 2021 Prefontaine Classic. And to all you moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>